Well, good morning. Oh, it's good to see you brave folks out today. That's great. You know, hey, we're online, and a lot of people are walking, watching online, you know, and they didn't come out because it's the snow. We can say chicken, you know. No, not really. It's uh, No, we're, we know a lot of people are being safe. And let me tell you something, we got a lot of sick folks out today, too. So, uh, uh, But we know that people are uh, joining in with us that way, too, and we're glad to have them as well. And we're kind of scattered over here, but it's good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Uh, don't have the choir today. Didn't have the praise team because everybody's sick or whatever. So uh, you just stuck with me. And um, I told Denise, I said, uh, I just don't feel real comfortable doing this, you know, and you know, at the church and just getting with, her, with just my guitar and doing this. And and if she says, we well, just have a good time. Let's just have a good time, right? And we can do that, can't we? And I said, okay, well, I do this type of thing at Salvation Army, okay? And I'm real loose. Steve Hall can tell you that I'm real loose. And I get I get pretty abnormal and when, when we do that so i say well that's just what we'll do this morning right we'll just be abnormal you know we just uh, but anyway that's, that's just uh let's just worship the lord today together and we're just going to do a few songs that we know really 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 well so that's uh, that way you can sing louder than me and you don't have to listen to me right that's a good idea okay let's all stand okay and let's uh let's just be amazed at the lord okay I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean For me it was in the garden, he prayed not my will but thine he had no tears for his own griefs, but swept drops of blood for mine. Sing it. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. For me, oh, excuse me, he took my sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Let's sing it. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory, His face I at last shall see. T'will be my joy through the ages to sing of His love for me. Let's sing it now. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for... One more time. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. 
is my Savior's love for more time. Is my Savior's love for me. You did pretty good on that one, didn't you? All right, let's do this one. This is one. This is a moldy oldie here, okay? Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the earth to the cross, to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. One more time on the chorus. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Amen. We lift the Lord's name up as we sing together. This is one you know here. Let me get my capo here. In the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore There's a land that is fairer than day And by faith we can see it afar for the Father waits over the way To prepare us a dwelling place there In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore we shall sing on that beautiful shore The melodious songs of the blessed And our spirits shall sorrow no more 
Not a sigh for the blessing of rest In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore To our bountiful Father above we will offer the tribute of praise for the glorious gift of his love and the blessings that hallow our days. Let's sing it now. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. One more time. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You're too stiff this morning. You're way too stiff. Singing songs that's supposed to kind of get you to going. But um, anyway, this is our last song we're going to do for, for the, uh, right now. And uh, this is, uh, I want us to make this a prayer right now because our desire of what the Lord would do in our life is because of our sin nature would be that the Lord would make us into what he would desire us to be. We can't do it on our own. We try to. Everybody tries to. But we have to say, Lord, you're going to have to do it. And when we come before you, we come before you not as the sinful beings that we really are. But we hopefully we're going to come to you because you've cleaned us up. And you've made us much better than what we are naturally. Your spirit has indwelled us and has taken over. And you just cleaned us up. So this little prayer right here says, give us clean hands. And give us pure hearts. That we would not lift our souls to another. We're starting uh, in Judges, or we've been starting in Judges tonight. Van's teaching it in our small group tonight. And it seems like that there's just a cycle. And it's really not just for Israel. It's a cycle that we all go through. You know, we kind of get ourselves in a mess, so we call on the Lord, and the Lord kind of delivers us out of us. And then out of it, and then all of a sudden, here we go again, and we go after those same little idols that we normally get ourselves messed up in until we realize, uh oh, this isn't right. So we call the Lord, and the Lord delivers us again, and then it's the same old thing time and time and time again. So we need to constantly just say, Lord, give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. And, oh, God, 
Let us be that generation that seeks your face. So let's um, let's just sing. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks. Seeks your face, O God of Jacob. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees. O Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes. From evil things, O oh Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, O God of Jacob. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees, O Spirit, come make us humble. Let's pray. Father, that would be our prayer today. Because, Lord, we come before you as sinful beings. Father, we know that we are not the natural people that can come before you and bow before you because of our sinlessness or because of our righteousness. But God, we can come to you today and bend our knees before you humbly because of your righteousness and your sinlessness that you have given to us or that you have put on us, Lord, as we put on clothes, Lord, you've put that on us and that you took our sinfulness and our unrighteousness on you. So, Lord, we can only come to you today because we know of what you have done, the work that you have done in our stead. And so, God, we just want to thank you and want to praise you for that. For that, Lord, uh, 
we just humbly just thank you and praise you for the opportunity that we do have together to to uh, worship you, Lord. Father, I want to pray for those that are away from us today because of sickness, those that cannot get out today, Father. Uh, Lord, we just uh, ask you that you would just protect them, Father, and help them to recover. And, uh, Lord, that they would be back with us soon, and, Lord, that we would all be worshiping you, you together. So, Lord, I just thank you for this time. We dedicate it to you and you alone right now. I pray for Thad as he comes and brings us the message that you have given to him. And Father, open our hearts, Lord. Send your spirit upon each and every one of us that we would leave here better than when we came in. But more so, Lord, that we would leave here knowing that you are satisfied with our hearts of worship. Thank you again, Lord. These things we pray in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Ron. Good morning. Have you ever approached a subject in the Bible and you thought you had a handle on it already before you even start your study and all you think is, well, this is just a reminder and I need to be reminded and you know how that works as we get older in Christ, we're like, yeah, I need to be reminded, so I'm going to read this portion of Scripture again. And I think as we get older, one of the things that can happen to us is that um, maybe we're a little more concentrated, maybe we're a little bit more mature, hopefully, and we are even ready to dig a little deeper so that we're not just surfacy, Right? So that we're really catching on to the things that God has for us. And not just walking around with all these principles in our minds of how we get through our life. But we're really willing. And this is where all of you have to play. This is a game everybody has to play. That belongs to the Lord. Be willing to dig and to search the scriptures for yourself. Because if there's total reliance on teachers to do that, I would say that's a shame. Because the greatest teacher that all of us have who are in Christ is the Holy Spirit. So we really are without excuse. That does not mean that we don't need help from time to time when we are studying a particular subject. But as I ran across this issue of fellowship, I thought I had a pretty good handle on it. And then I started studying, and I started thinking through not only my life as a Christian, but I started thinking about you as Christians, if you belong to Christ here this morning. Have you and I experienced biblical fellowship? And if we have, are we committed to that? And is it possible that we don't really maybe have as firm a grip on this issue of biblical fellowship as the Lord may want us to have? 
Is that possible? It's possible. So I want to have a time with you this morning and talking about that. I want to ask the Lord to help us. Can we do that? Lord, thank you so much for this time together. It's great when your church can assemble and can learn from your word and then by that be able to go out and and to share with others what you're teaching us. Thank you for your spirit that guides us, that gives us insight into what you have for us. Uh, Help us, Lord, as we walk out today to be better equipped to fellowship biblically in the name of Christ. Amen. So the title of the sermon this morning is the same title as it was last week. (laughs) Because if you remember last week, we didn't get very far. But um, it was all good because we had a really good service together and we're able to hear from a lot of different people. The title of the message is Opening Words. Opening words are critical. A lot of illustrations I could have used, but I chose this one on November 19th, 1863. President Abraham Lincoln gave a brief speech in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. At the dedication of a cemetery for the Union soldiers who had died in the Civil War battle that had taken place Uh, in the summer months that year. There were 23,000 Union casualties with about 3,000 deaths of Union soldiers. There were 28,000 Confederate Confederate casualties with at least 4,000 deaths. Do you know what his opening words were? You do. Opening words may sound familiar. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are what? Created equal. Opening words tend to gain our attention. You can go to a graduation ceremony and typically you're going to hear the same opening words no matter where you would go to see graduates graduate. John has a lot of similarity between the opening words he gives us in 1 John and the words he gives to us in the Gospel of John. And the word, the phrase that you see is in the beginning. You remember we talked about this last week that in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 we're told in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then you go to John's writing in John chapter 1 and verse, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Speaking of the eternality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you come to 1 John, which is our consideration for the next however many weeks. And he begins with what was from the beginning. Remember last week I told you that some view this as he's talking about or referring back to the eternality of the Lord Jesus. I don't believe he's doing that. I believe he handled that in the gospel. 
And I believe here that his mindset is in the beginning of Christ's ministry that he witnessed, that the other apostles witnessed because of what he says here to follow. Notice what he says. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, who's he talking about? He's talking about himself and the other apostles hearing the Lord Jesus. And remember the argument is against Gnosticism, which said, All flesh is evil and spirit is good, which is going to come up over and over and over again. I gave you notes this morning. You can read about that. But there's an obvious conclusion to that if you you take their argument. And John writes to encourage them, hey, look, you're on the right path. Jesus Christ existed in the flesh. And so he says, what we have heard from the Lord Jesus, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at, remember that? meant more than just to see it meant to to gaze intently at the word theomai remember we get our word theater from that word so they they said we have heard him we've seen him with our eyes what we have looked at and then touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life was revealed it was made manifest to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Not only did he come, but he brought forth what? The message of, the hope of eternal life. And we have seen, now notice the progression here. We have seen and testify and what? Proclaim. We said that word testify, there is a courtroom term. We have seen and testify and proclaim to you what? The eternal life. And we said that's not abnormal because in Pauline literature, what do you find? You find Paul over and over again as he's writing letters to the churches, giving them the gospel. Is there anything wrong with that? Answer, no. I need to give you the gospel. You need to give me the gospel. We need to be reminded of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, we we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was revealed to us, pointing then again to the eternality of, of the second person of the Trinity. And so we said that point one is simply the Lord Jesus Christ. He's he's making the argument that Jesus Christ came to earth, took on flesh, dwelt among men. That sound familiar to you? John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. Gnostics were like, what are you talking about? Why would he do that? Why would he tabernacle among us? But uh, aren't we glad he did? (laughs) Because without him, we have no hope. All right? So that's the first two verses. Remember last week I said, I know you do because you have great memories. I said, he steps into the deep end of the pool. He doesn't just wade around in the shallow end. So he moves, though, from his initial argument about Jesus coming in the flesh and, and, and them seeing that and witnessing that as apostles and verifying that but, and proclaiming that. But he moves on to a second issue in verse 3, and it's the issue of a shared life. That's what I'm calling it. Because the term is the term koinonia, which we will talk about in just a moment. Notice what it says, verse 3, part A of 1 John chapter 1. It says this, What we have seen 
and heard, we proclaim to you also that you also may have what? Fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship, and I can say this right now because I might forget later, you know how that works, memory. That word our there, that pronoun, um, he's talking about the fellowship that he and the apostles enjoyed with the Lord Jesus and with the Father. But it's also something they enjoy as believers. Because remember, he's writing to believers. So he says, indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The word is the word koinonia. That's the word fellowship. Okay, It's a very important term and was in that culture. I think I need to share this with you because I think it gives you a better appreciation for the usage that they would have had in their day might help us too in terms of how we might apply that and how we think of it, okay? So it was used in different ways. The word was used of a business partnership where two or more persons share the same business and then as a result or what, they're closely connected. You're going to go into business with someone. It's good to be what? Like-minded (laughs) right? It's good to be like-minded because guess what's going to happen in a business partnership? You're going to spend time together talking about different things. That's why when you go to Corinthians, he warns the Corinthian believers about being unequally yoked, and you can take that out to apply it to a lot of different things. Wouldn't you say if a believer and an unbeliever were going into a business partnership, that would potentially be challenging? Answer, yes. Okay? So it was used in that way in, um, in the day that John lived um, and in the early church. Um, it was used also to speak of marriage, of the shared life of two persons, a man and a woman. So, back to Corinthians, right? It's not good to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And so, Paul is concerned in the Corinthian church that that would take place. It may have already been taking place. You have to assume that it was at least an issue. And so, that's what he writes to them about. And so... You think about the context of marriage. I've been married for 36 years. That's a lot of shared life with one person. Don't you know that there are people who have been married for long periods of time where a spouse is saved and a spouse is not? It's difficult, is it not? It's absolutely difficult. It's very difficult. I've, over the years, had many times of personal counsel with people with wives or husbands who have been married and um, have been married to someone who's unsaved. Young people, I have something to say to you, and, and you can take it or not. It's your decision. Be careful when you make that decision as a believer, when you make that decision on who you will spend your life with. It needs to be another believer. And I think the unequally yoke goes even deeper than that. This is just my personal viewpoint. That it's not just like you're coming in together like this, where one's saved and the other's saved, but, but you both have the same mind 
about the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, oh, well, but, but she said she's a Christian. Okay. You say you're a Christian, but aren't there more things to discuss? Answer, yes. And I would encourage you to look at the background of the families. Very, very important. <laughs> this is just a side note, kind of like a commercial. Right? But very, very important when you think about who you're going to share your life with. Okay? So the word koinonia was used to speak of a marriage relationship. And notice I put there at the bottom just for us between a man and a woman. You would hate that you have to say that, but you have to say that today because there are many people that are taking what God instituted and they're twisting it to their own advantage. We need to be careful that we defend biblical marriage. Um, so a shared life of two persons, a man and a woman. It was also used, and this is interesting because you can go to the book of Acts in chapter 2 and you can read that this afternoon in all your free time as maybe we might get some snow. Um, but the word was used to refer to the spirit of generous sharing. That's what That was going on in the early church. They had all things in common. They were sharing together. In contrast, it says here, to the spirit of selfish acquiring. Okay, which there's an example of that in the book of Acts. So that's how the term was used. The word koinonia also has the, the, the meaning of closeness or intimacy. Okay, so when we think about fellowship, biblical fellowship, that's the idea. It's a closeness and an intimacy with other believers. Now, I'm going to argue that that closeness and that intimacy is wrapped up in a person. And that's the Lord Jesus. Okay? So, a lot of times fellowship is thought of as the men are having a fellowship. They're going to eat fish, right? And, and, and they're going to eat hush puppies. We hadn't done that in a while. This is like a commercial. Maybe that's going to happen one day. Right? So, so we have that in mind. Or the ladies have a fellowship. Is there anything wrong with those events? Answer, no. It's great. And we could even maybe give it the heading of fellowship. But biblical fellowship is built around the Father and the Son. That's what biblical fellowship is. Biblical fellowship is more than just coming together. But it's coming together with the purpose of sharing with one another about the Father and about the Son. Now, when's the last time that you thought about that? Can I throw that out there? When's the last time you thought about that in terms of fellowship? There's a, a guy named Thaddeus. You may know him. This is what he says about fellowship. This is how he defines this. It's a shared life together with Christ in the center. How's that sound? I'm just a simple thinker. Right? This is my definition. A shared life together with Christ in the center. Um, you know, one great thing about biblical fellowship, just as a point of illustration, and I think I even mentioned this last week, and you probably remember it, but isn't it great? You can be apart from really special Christian friends for a long period of time and, and, and then be in their presence. And, and what's that binding element? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? You're coming together, and it's like you had not been... It's, it's been 30 years, but it's like been 30 minutes. 
Because there's this, listen, and this is really important. There's something that goes on with us between each other that the unbelieving world does not have. They have get-togethers. We have fellowship. How does that sound? Because it's around the Father and around the Son, as John's going to point out to them. So when I began to research and look at these different thoughts on fellowship, Thaddeus came up with one. But then there's other people who are much more renowned. Um, Dr. David Anderson, who's president of Grace in Houston, he wrote this about biblical fellowship. He says, Christian fellowship does not truly begin, I really like the way he puts this, pretty pointed, until Christians share with each other their experiences with Jesus and their Heavenly Father. How many people would that offend? Well, I thought I'd been fellowshipping all these years. Well, yeah, you've been hanging out together, getting together. And yeah, that fellowship's around Christ. But how much are we talking about the experiences? And I would say this about that. He says, with each other, their experiences with Jesus and their Heavenly Father, those experiences need to be rooted in biblical truth. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying by that? In other words, not extra biblical revelation or I had this vision and all that kind of stuff. No. It's what I'm going to tie my experiences with the Lord Jesus and with the Father to what the Scriptures say. Is that okay? Right? I think that's what we're talking about here. He says, only, I love this line, only this kind of fellowship feeds the need. We have a need. See, beyond, listen, we have a need beyond just seeing each other. I love seeing you. You might love seeing me, but we have a need to share the experiences that we're going through as believers with the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. I like that. He says, only this kind of fellowship feeds the need of the regenerated human spirit. So there's a need there, right? The early church, and I know it was orchestrated differently, a different community, I get all that. But man, they were meeting regularly. They were, they were fellowshipping about Christ and about the Father regularly. And we're now, nowadays, we're, we've almost got it down to an hour and a half to two hours. And it's like, hold on a second. Does that need to be rethought? Maybe, right? You say, oh, Thad, come on, you're in, you're in the 21st century now. This is 2022. You need to catch up. We only get together once a week. And we do it from 9 to 11. Get with the program. I'm saying this. There may be a need that you have and I have to get together more often. It doesn't have to be in a formal setting like this. But more often to share with each other about the Lord. Does that sound okay? Watchman Nee said this about it. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, how close-knit Dr. Anderson's words were with Watchman Nee. Fellowship means, among other things, that we are ready to receive Christ from others. You get that? Ready to receive Christ. In other words, on a Sunday morning, have you ever thought about this? On a Sunday morning, I'm coming prepared to receive Christ from others. Well, not that. I don't, I don't. I just go to church. No, 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 no. 
I'm coming prepared to receive Christ from my brothers and my sisters who are going to share their experiences about what God is doing in their life. Pretty heavy stuff. So then he goes on to say, other believers minister Christ to me and I am ready to receive. Guys, you can come up to me anytime you want to and share about Christ in your life with me. I'd love to hear it. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice if we had this thing, and I'm not saying we're going to do this, but if we had this thing where when we first came together in the mornings, and we all, we all know what those typical, hello, how are you, all those things, right? But if we said good morning, now let me just tell you this one thing about my life this week with Christ. That would be weird, wouldn't it? A good weird and maybe through that, I would learn as you're sharing with me about how I can pray for you in your walk with the Lord. Fellowship with one another. That's what he first speaks about. There was a pastor named John Fawcett pastored a couple of years ago, 1765. He was called to pastor a very small congregation in Waynesgate, England. He, he and his wife were faithful to this church for seven years. They were committed with these people, right? They were, they were involved in their lives, and, and the people were involved in their lives. Well, Dr. Fawcett gets a call to a big church in London, What's he going to do? Well, he and his wife talk about it. and He takes the position. And so it comes to the day when they're ready to move all that they had and load it up in a wagon. And the people of that small congregation show up with tears, but working to help them load the wagon. This is what happened. He and his wife were so moved by the outpouring of love that she began to weep, saying to John, I can't bear this. And John replied and said to his wife, we cannot bear to break the ties of fellowship. He told his congregants, unload the wagon. You know that this experience inspired Fawcett to write the hymn that you know, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds Our Hearts in Christian Love. Guys, there's something about that, right? That fellowship that we enjoy with one another around the Father and the Son. Notice what he says in verse 3. So he first speaks about that horizontal fellowship but then he speaks about this vertical fellowship and he says at the end of verse 3 he says and indeed our fellowship and that word our there I think he could obviously he's referring to the apostles because it's consistent with the other pronoun usage but I think he's, he's talking about them as well our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ in other words hey this is where the fellowship is it's with the Father and it's with the Son. And do you know, listen to me, 
we have fellowship with the Father because of the Son. <laughs> because of the Son. So John is building this argument that, hey, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's been made possible, as we know, by the Son. And the Scriptures remind us that the fellowship that we have, we have with the Son. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul writes, God is faithful through whom you were what? Called into fellowship, into koinonia, into a shared life, into intimacy with his Son. Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thought about it, I thought, yeah, I could ask the question. I think it's a good question. How would you, if you were to, on a scale of 1 to 10, how's that intimacy going with you and the Lord? You know, you could think about that through your day. It may be a good thing to think about. How, how close am I to the Lord? Not do I belong to the Lord, because John's not addressing the issue of relationship. They belong to the Lord. He's addressing the issue of closeness, of proximity in their walk, which is a very critical question. It was for them, it's for us. As I was thinking about that, I was like, well, there, there are some key components. There may be this, you know, I can at least look at the scriptures and go, am I walking in close proximity to the Lord? If I'm not opening my Bible at all, or very little, that's going to be difficult, wouldn't we say? It's going to be difficult. Well, there's other things, and I was thinking about them, and so I, Lord led me some different verses. The first one is Hebrews eleven six. I believe faith, daily faith, is a key component to closeness between us and the Father and Son. Key component. Daily faith. I'm trusting the Lord with something that's much bigger than me. I'm giving it to Him, whatever it is. That's why Solomon writes with the wisdom that he does in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding as you walk through life, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in what? All your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll do what? Direct your path, a walk of faith. So, if I'm going to be in close proximity to the Lord and have this shared life with him, then faith's a key component. And all we have to do is go to Hebrews chapter 11, and we know that faith is a key component. And so, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without what? Faith, it is impossible to please him. So I need to be in close proximity to him, trusting him in times when things are just looking really rough. You ever have those times? When you're like, man, things are rough. Things are rough around the house. Things are rough with the kids. Things are rough with the job. Lord, is there anything good going on right now in my life? And he reminds you and he says, I'm faithful. I'm the same one who saved you. Walk close to me. I don't know about you, but that, that does good stuff for me when I think about that. The same one that saved me, even when my world is, is cracking like eggs crack, right? I have a visual of eggs. I love eggs. Eggs cracking, right? 
and, my, and that represents my world, and all that stuff's just cracking. But even in the midst of all that cracking, the Lord's saying to me, hey, Thad, I'm faithful. I, I don't leave you, and I don't forsake you. I'm right here. And you may not understand everything going on in your life, Thad Blunt, but I'm in charge, and I don't move, and I'm stable, and I'm a rock, and you can trust me. I think that's one little thing that we can look at that would measure our fellowship is faith. You know, so like, can I just testify to the faith of the Lord? As I'm studying through my weeks, which First John is just like, ah, this is a difficult book. So as I'm just plodding along, he is so faithful to give me not only illustrations, but like these quotes. And I, and I run across them like, oh my goodness. Because I'm not real good with a computer, right? So when I'm researching, look at this quote by Spurgeon. Faith is the road, right? It is. It's the road we must walk on. But communion with Jesus is the well from which the pilgrims drink. <laughs> so I'm in close proximity to the Lord, and my life is cracking, but I'm staying close to him because I trust him. See? You know what the world does? The world, they're trusting in who? Themselves. All right, we trust in the Lord. Some trust in chariots, but we trust in the Lord, right? In the name of the Lord our God. There's a second component I thought about in terms of fellowship, being close to the Lord in our walk, and it's the word close. <laughs> From James chapter 4, verse 8, come close to God. So that's something that we do. Ready? That's something we do. Come close to God. So there's effort in Christianity. Now, I understand we are led by the Spirit. I get that. But there's effort, right? There's a working together between myself and the Spirit. The Spirit moves me, and I do. There are times when I say, I don't want to do that, right? You ever had those times? You ever had those times where you've been really, and I have, so I'm just asking you, rebellious, and the Spirit's moving you something? I'm not doing that today. You ever done that? Nobody's ever? I've done that many times. James says, come close to God. Look at this. And he will come close to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know what's going to keep us from coming close to God? Sin. And John addresses that in the next section. Lots of different things. They're going to keep us from that fellowship piece. Okay. All right. I ran across an article. I, I, I don't know who to give credit to. I don't know if I didn't scroll down far enough. I did. I, I mean, I scrolled into my page. But I love these lines in this particular article. Look, look at the way the, the person, he or she, said this. God wants to live this life with you. Now, remember, we're speaking in the context of fellowship, being close to the Lord, walking with the Lord. He wants to live this life with you to share in your days and decisions. Yeah, but I thought the Lord's day was just Sunday. No, no, no. The Lord's day is what? It's every day. Every day. Share in your days and decisions. Lots of days, lots of decisions. Your desires and disappointments. Because in the Christian life, there are disappointments. 
Persian goes on to write, he wants intimacy with you. When I think about that, I think about the Psalms and think about David as a shepherd boy and think about the meditation that he had in his life, the, the commitment to that as he's in the fields and meditating on the Lord and on his word. And we, we could learn a lot from that, could we not? You know what, you're, you're, you're thinking, Thad, but I don't have time. You don't know my week. You don't know mine. But I'm finding as I get older in the Lord, boy, I relish those times of being alone with the Lord in that fellowship. That's what this person's talking about. He wants intimacy with you in the midst of madness and the mundane, the meetings and the memos, the laundry and the list, the carpools and the conversations and projects and pain. I'm convinced a lady wrote this. Just makes sense to me. I don't know what dad would put carpools, right? Laundry. How many of you men do laundry? I do my laundry. I like to do my laundry. I don't know why. I just throw it all in there. You know, it doesn't make sense to me to separate them. I don't understand all that. Just throw them all together. As long as you put it on cold, you're good to go. Right? Just don't put it on hot. And don't ever put your wife's... You know, I, one time I watched, this is a side story, I watched a little shirt thing that Teresa had, and I thought, well, I'm going to chunk it in the dryer, you know, I'm going to be a good husband. It went in like this, it came out like this. Don't do that. Don't dry that. I didn't know. But I'm convinced the lady wrote this. Guys, he wants intimacy with us. And then this person concludes this way. God wants you close so you can hear and respond in ways that honor him. He wants you close. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Pretty simple, but pretty good. A.W. Tozer, in talking about intimacy, this is what he says. Hard to argue with A.W. on this one. (laughs) Prayer is the most essential way to cultivate intimacy with God. How many of you find the discipline of prayer to be difficult? I got both my hands up. I found over the years, ladies tend to be better at it. I have no scientific proof on that, but... I had a lot more ladies come up to me over the years and say, hey, Thad, I'm praying for you. And I've had men do. But I know this, that if we're going to cultivate that intimacy like he's talking about, there has to be that prayer life, that just talking with God. Young people, can I encourage you about something? Uh, I know this, it just happens because when you're growing up, you're discovering things. But, you know, prayer is, in a lot of times when you're exposed to it, it's so formal right? Have a conversation with the Lord. That's what he wants. He's not looking for some eloquent prayer. He's looking for honesty. He already knows all of it anyway, but he's looking for honesty. People say, why do we pray? Because he already knows it because we're told to pray. (laughs) In fact, Paul says we're to pray without what? Ceasing. That's That's an attitude of dependence that we're to have. Well, Ron gave me so much time today. Isn't it wonderful?
he concludes this section with um, something really critical. So he's talked to them about the importance of intimacy, that they wanted to experience that with them, but all that was tied to the Father and to the Son. Well, he closes this, this particular section with what I've entitled a great gift. I think you're going to understand why I entitled that in just a minute. A great gift. Notice verse 4. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. There's always, to me, it's fascinating when you start digging underneath. There's always so much to discover. These things. What things? Right? That's what you have to ask first of all. Any good Bible student asks that question. What things? At least verses 1 through 3. So, at least those things. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. At least verses 1 through 3, right? But he says, these things we write. How many of you noticed that pronoun, we? We write. We say that John wrote the gospel of John, and John wrote 1 John. What does it say here? These things who writes? Who's we? Well, I think if you're in the context of the passage, he's been referring to him and the apostles. What I think John is doing here is, is I believe John's saying, look, whether it's me, John, or Peter, or any one of these guys, we're saying the same things. We're not giving you another message. These things we write. He says, why? Isn't it great? He already tells you. So that our joy... Now, the King James Version, if you have a King James Version, it says your joy. But there's room for both, right? There's no reason to argue over that. The issue is joy in the life of a Christian. Not only did John and the apostles experience joy as they knew others were coming to Christ and fellowshipping, but, but it's true that we, right, and them, that these believers, he wanted them to experience that same joy. So he says, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete, may be made full. There's three things about this word joy that I need to tell you. First of all, the joy is centered on fellowship. That's why he goes back to the first of the verse. These things we write, so that our joy may be made complete. The joy is centered around the fellowship that believers have with the Father and with the Son. So the joy was going to come as a result of that. Him knowing that was going, them knowing that was going on in their lives. Secondly, the joy is received. It's not something that these believers would hand to John. It's not like, hey, you're going to hand me this joy, right? It wasn't that another apostle was going to hand John the joy or the apostles the joy. It's an outside source. That's the form of that phrase there. So the joy that John and the apostles would receive and that the believers would receive would be from someone other than themselves. Where does the joy come from? The Spirit of the living God. That's where the joy comes from. That's why I call it a great gift. So John writes, these things we write so that our joy... Yours, mine, all of us may be made complete. And this joy is built around the things that I've just talked about, primarily fellowship with the Father and with the Son. 
Do you realize that the unbelieving world never experiences joy like John's talking about here? Do you know that? That's unique to the believer. You say, I don't know that. They sing joy. They talk about joy. No, no, no. I'm talking about biblical joy. The unbeliever, that's foreign to them. They don't understand it. That's why when you attend a funeral and the unbeliever is just sitting there, I don't know what they're thinking. I have no, I'm not an unbeliever. I don't know what they're thinking. Maybe the end. Kind of like I heard yesterday. I was sharing with somebody this morning that I heard yesterday I was watching one of the football games and they were talking about somebody who had passed this last week and, and they, the, the words, I'll never forget them, they're just gone. That's the mind of the unbelieving world. They're just gone. Now, if you carried on that conversation with them beyond that, they might go, yeah, they're gone, but maybe they're in a place called heaven or I don't know what happens. They reincarnated. They come back as something. Who knows? So have you ever thought about when you go to a funeral, you have two groups of people coming into that, that funeral. You have believers and unbelievers. And if you're going to the, the funeral of a believer, there can be what? Joy in the midst of sorrow. Joy. It's something that's foreign. I think that's important for us to understand. It's foreign to the unbeliever, but it's a great gift that you and I have if we belong to the Lord. And that gift, right, comes from the Spirit of God. It's a theme that John continued to talk about. Second John 12. By the way, it's not chapter 12. That's verse 12. It's just a little postcard, right? But he writes, Though I may have many things to write to you, I do not want you to do so. I do not want to do so, excuse me, with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be made what? Complete. Same phrase. The word complete means full. Means to fill up. Okay. Third John, verse 4, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. It's not a phrase that was unbeknownst to John. Did you know that? In fact, he heard his Lord and Savior say the same thing. <laughs> ah, look at this. John chapter 15, verse 11. These things, and remember this is the upper room discourse, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. And look at this. And that your joy may be made what? Complete. Complete joy for the believer comes in a relationship to Christ, yes, but it also comes in the form of fellowship, pulling up close to the Lord, walking with Him day by day. We can experience the joy of the Lord. We know the scriptures, the joy of the Lord is my what? My strength. My strength. So John was not unfamiliar with this issue of joy. You know, Billy Sunday said, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity. Some people... And I would probably even be accused of this at times. 
I mean, I just, I mean, I'll walk around and sometimes I have a smile on my face. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm a serious guy. That's just who I am. I like to have fun. I love to joke around. But I'm kind of serious at times. And so some people might look, man, I wonder if that has any joy. I have joy. I have joy. If you're wondering, right, you, I wonder if that guy, I have joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He is my joy. Right? So I just want you to know that. It's a personal testimony. We don't receive joy, guys, from money. We don't receive it from fame. We don't receive it from popularity. It's not even received from military glory. You see, that's a weird one. Well, I read this about Alexander the Great. He conquered the known world in his day. And having done so, it said of him that he was in his tent weeping before he said these words, there are no more worlds to conquer. That's <laughs> sad. In other words, I've done everything I can do. And I've done everything I can do and there's still not what? Fulfillment. Oh, guys, listen to me. The joy is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And with the Father. That's where the joy is. It's that song that I sang when I was a little boy. I've got the joy, 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 joy. Help me. Down in my heart. I can't do that. I'm still taking voice therapy. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart too. You know the next one? I've got the peace that passes understanding. But right, that's what we do. Guys, we're different from the world. We have the joy of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the joy that you bring to us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to fellowship with one another, with the center of that fellowship being around the Father and the Son. And help us, Lord, as, as John and the disciples, the other apostles, they had that mind of, of fellowshipping with other believers and obviously building that fellowship around you. Lord, and it just brought joy to them brought joy. They wanted, they wanted that because there were believers being challenged with all this false teaching going on. They, they wanted the joy of knowing they were walking close to the Lord. I was talking with someone before the service, Lord, and we were talking about, he made the statement about his children walking close to you. I thought how appropriate that is. Because when our children are walking close to you, it does bring joy to us. And so I pray that we would, as believers in Christ, recognize people are watching. They need to see the joy that we have. Not only because of our relationship with you, which is, as we're going to see in 1 John, is cemented in stone. But, Lord, you desire that fellowship with us. And we all in here, I would say, could improve in that area. I know I need to foremost.
I pray you would help us by your spirit to draw close to you on a daily basis. In the name of Christ, amen. Before we go, we don't do this much. and There's a decent amount here. I thought I might have to break out the puppets today, but we didn't. Um, if you're unfamiliar with that, back when COVID first started, my children's director thought we were getting lonely in here, about 10 of us every week. And so she put in the puppets. They have one right on the front row like this. <laughs> that happens. But if you want to just, anybody just, and I want to make sure this is done well, because worship needs to be done well, but like if there's something you want to say about the Father or the Son today, something the Lord has been, you know, just tender to you, this intimacy, peace, something that can encourage us, that can challenge us. I just, if you want to stand up, if you don't, we'll go home. Maybe it'll snow, but maybe you won't. Anybody? This morning? Denise? Well, uh, Van's going to come up, and we're going to use the microphone. That way, all those people who are out there, you know, eating their waffles and all that kind of stuff, they'll be able to see you and hear you. Uh, this year, I had determined to start memorizing scripture every week uh, in the daily Bible reading, read through the Bible. And the first one was, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And then it lists the benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. And the one that really strikes me is he redeems your life from the pit mm. and then crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. And I just keep thinking about redeeming my life from the pit, what God has truly done for me. Amen. Amen. See how we benefit from that? Man, that's called biblical fellowship right there. Thank you, Mr. Nate Garden. Someone else this morning? It's your time. Mr. Tony Cooey. We might be able to hear Mr. Tony Cooey. I don't know. I had an experience <clears throat> Friday night. As many of you know, my wife has been bedridden for 23 months, and uh, <clears throat> something happened Friday night that we've been praying would never, never happen, but it did. And it's just what the Lord did. It's amazing what the Lord did. I had a bad night with my wife Friday. She just would not settle down. She was very, very confused. And she just went on and on. At 8.30 that night, I tried to settle her down. At 10.30, she would not settle down. I finally go back to bed. And at 11.30, She's, we have a monitor in my room. She said, <clears throat> Tony, come in here. I'm on the floor. I rushed, she's on a hospital bed. I rushed in there, and sure enough, she was on the floor. She had fallen out of the bed. And my greatest fear, of course, is she's broken her neck, she's broken a hip, whatever. 
And <clears throat> my first thought was, hey, I need to call the paramedics. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> 11.30 at night, I didn't want to call my neighbor. But I said, Mayor Joe, let me check your back. Let me check your legs. I'm going to get you back on the bed. And I prayed out loud. I said, Lord, please help me to get my wife back on the bed. I don't have the strength that I had when I was 40 or 50 years old. But I said, please protect my back. And so help me. I was able to get under her arms and put her back on the bed. Tony Cooey didn't do that. Hmm. The Lord did. And I was able to get her positioned. And she has her feet, or given her a fit since Friday night. Her right, I mean, her left knee is giving her a fit. And we haven't carried her to the hospital to be examined. But what a blessing to have a God that sustained me through this. It's a, it was just a wonderful feeling. And I just can't tell y'all how much I love the Lord because of the way he has had so much mercy on the Cooleys. Amen. Thank you, Tony. <coughs> and you need to know, Tony, as a fellowship of believers, those of us who belong to the Lord, yeah, we, we pray for you. And we pray for Mary Jo. Amen. The Lord provides the strength, doesn't he? Anyone else this morning before we go? All right, you can never miss Ruth. Right here, uh, man. Ruth Henry. Can I sit? You, Ruth, you can do what you'd like. <laughs> it's amazing how you, what you're talking about and how you brought the message the last three Sundays, I guess. Anyway, I've been cleaning out so my children won't have so much to do when I'm gone. And I came across a pamphlet that I've had I'm sure for 50 years. It said, have you lost your passion for Christ? I didn't even want to read it. It said, not that you don't know me, but do you love me hmm. like you need to? And so I'm reading this thing. <laughs> And it, brought, it said, go back and remember when your passion was so great when you were saved. And that was 19, I would say I was 17 when I was saved. But really realizing what the Lord had done for me did not come until 1970. Hmm. And that, uh, at that time, I can remember how wonderful I felt, how I wanted to tell everybody. And I did at that time. But as the years go on, and I'm 84, I still love the Lord. I still read his Bible. And I still pray. I still witness in my way. But the fellowship that you're talking about today has brought it back home to me again. And it said, go back to what you did in the first and, mm. and remember what you did in the first. So that's what I wanted to tell you, that I'm doing that now. Amen. 
Thank you for the encouragement. We all need it. Amen. And you don't look a day over 49 to me. She's my, other, she's my golf buddy. She loves watching golf. So. All right. Well, if we're done, then we're done. And I hope you have a great week. And maybe we'll have a few more next week with, along with some puppets. All right? Enjoy your day.